Welcome back to Maury's Music. My name's Maury Rooch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And we have a lot to talk about. Spoon, did you have a good weekend? I had a spectacular weekend. Thank you for asking. Well, uh, can you tell me where it was? Wait, don't tell me. Let me guess. Give me some clues. Did you play a lot of Martin guitars? I did. Were there dozens and dozens and maybe a hundred of other people playing lots of Martin guitars? There were. Was there scotch? There was. <laughs> you were at Martin Fest, weren't you? I Lottie, I was. And uh, it, was a, uh, it was a wonderful time catching up with old friends and meeting new friends. And as many people know, the past couple of years, a lot of events were canceled, including the past two Martin Fests. So this is the first time in three years that we gathered together in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, and at a hotel in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and had a fantastic time. Well, besides Paula's cookies on Sunday night, can you tell me what your favorite, favorite, most favorite meaningful moment was, or is it too hard to say? I'd say it's too hard to say. I think the, um, I think being in the same place with some of these people for the first time in such a long time, some of them couldn't make it to the last one. For instance, our friend, Mike Thompson, who lives in Cambridge, England, he wasn't at the last one. So it's been four years since I've had a chance to uh, see him with a guitar in his hand and, you know, and hang out and he borrowed, uh, since he was coming from overseas, he actually borrowed a fabulous M38, I believe it was. And uh, so he made good use of that. So there, there are too many. Uh, I would say every single day there was, uh, you know, some uh, really poignant, really hilarious, really fun, really insightful, uh, really educational, and just plain f uh, super fun uh, moment that would stand out. What about you? You were there too. Yes, I was. I had a wonderful time. And you mentioned the M38. That was actually Marshall Fleischer's M38. And before this show is over, we're going to dive deep into some of our favorite guitars. And that certainly was one of them for me. I had a blast. I really, really ended up having a, a pretty tough work week. And I know people listening to this show might think, how could a music store owner have a tough work week? But just believe that I might have. I got there and I just had so much fun getting together with a lot of people. Of course, you know, we could go on and on about the people that weren't able to make it this year. And it, by no stretch was it a complete group of UMGF Martin Fest attendees. A lot of people were missing for good and bad reasons. So if you didn't make it this year, we certainly missed you. But it, it, it's so exciting to look at these posts coming up in June and July and getting yourself mentally ready to go to this thing. And it still doesn't prepare you for when you walk down that hallway into that hotel and you see the first couple of people and you recognize there's gonna be so much music being made. And you know, it's got everything to do with the Martin Guitar Factory and the Martin Guitar brand, but it's these friends we've made over the years in, in cases of you and I, having known some of these people for almost 20 years, if not more, it really was, it's like a reunion as much as it is getting an opportunity to play and I really had a blast, but I, I'm the same way. I probably couldn't nail down one specific perfect moment, but one of the top moments would have to be Dick Boak showing up on Friday night with a lot of his new creations, including that little aardvark guitar and <laughs> not just showing his stuff off on tables. And he was actually playing guitar with us. And I didn't catch the beginning, but he sat down with Marshall and had a really nice jam session with him for at least a half an hour. And I, I know I caught some of it, 
But that was probably one of the highlights, at least on the first day. And you mean caught some of it on video. You were often going around, I have to say, in, in some respects, almost uh, stealthily, as I've seen some video that I was completely unaware that you were uh, videoing. <laughs> but, ah. um, but yes, Dick, uh, and for those who are not that familiar with Dick Bulk, he uh, spent over 30 years at Martin Guitars, ended up as the head of artist relations. I mean, started out as a draftsman there and uh, used to run the original Woodworkers Connection, was in charge of the very first gift shop, worked his way up to being head of artist relations and was the guy that helped design artist signature models for many of the uh, biggest uh, Martin players in the world in terms of, of fame and, and fortune. And in his later years was in charge of the museum and the Martin archives. He's been retired now for a few years and has gone back to making his own guitars. And uh, there was a 12 fret, basically 12 fret double O in amazing Koa, three dimensional, that kind of rippling sand look that no photograph does justice to that when you turn in the light certain ways, it looks like little canyons and little mountains of sand and in this case sort of honey amber sand because it was koa just spectacular and that was gifted to him and i don't remember by whom uh by who um but basically it was a spectacular set that was gifted to him by one of the major uh, wood dealers at martin uh, that sources wood from martin but i think everybody agrees what you call the aardvark guitar there was this instrument that uh, looked similar to like a Weizenborn style Hawaiian guitar or similar to what people call a Renaissance guitar. Uh, Martin had made uh, at least one that's in the museum. And so it has almost no upper bout. It's got a bottom bout. It's about a double O size body. And as it comes out of the, out of the waist, there's just a very little bitty shoulder and then it goes up into kind of a long slender neck similar to a Weizenborn. And Dick explained that it was not inspired by the Renaissance guitar nor was it inspired by a Weizenborn design. He had a beautiful set of solid Zirocote and unfortunately it had cracks on either side of this amazingly gorgeous highly figured book, book matched Zirocote and so he just basically drew a body shape that cut out where those cracks were that wouldn't allow him to have a full size upper bout. And our friend John Hall, um, uh, Blue Creek, uh, he made a mold based on the drawing for, uh, Dick said like in five minutes, put together the mold for the sides and Dick took it home and made this guitar. And it was a, amazing uh the sound of this thing really full bottom end and uh, uh really lush rosewoody sound and i you know i didn't want to put it down and i'm sure uh you know someday he may accept an offer for it it also had wooden ribs inside which i thought were interesting very slender about as slender as a drinking straw or a little slender more slender uh is what was supporting the sides um so little round wooden ribs. I thought that was a really interesting touch. So, but yes, he had, I think, eight guitars there that he uh, created himself. And uh, people really had a great time uh, playing those, uh, including me. 
I had a feeling you might have fun playing that, and it was really great to see him there. Dick, if you're listening, thank you very much again, not only for coming to this past Martin Fest, but I think you've been to every single one. And if uh, you guys listening to this program dive deep enough on Google, you might find a picture of Dick Boak playing with me and Mikey Buno on the very first Martin Fest on the porch steps at Nazareth Burroughs uh, Log Cabin, we called it. And I just knew immediately this was going to go on for about 20 years. And I'm going to talk about this on a podcast someday. It was just one of those special moments. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because I think the photo you're, there are multiple photos, but I think the photo you're thinking of is one that I actually took that then put up on, you know, in slideshows over the years of Martin Fest. And most of us had not met. Some of us had met at a smaller gathering or a couple of smaller gatherings in New Jersey prior to the first, what we now call Martin Fest. And as I was approaching the cabinet in Borough Park there, we have to go up this hill. Sure enough, what I hear is, as we're coming up from the parking lot, is I pulled into Nazareth feeling half past dead and people <laughs> starting to play, starting to play the weight. And I came up and there was Mike, who I had never met, didn't know. There was Maury Rich, who I had never met, didn't know. And Dick Volk, who I had never met in person, but I certainly knew who he was and had spoken to him on the phone multiple times. And Dick was playing uh, lead guitar and uh, playing a solo by the time I got up there. So very memorable moment. Here we are 22 years later and 20 Martin Fest later. I think Dick really did come to, there may have been one year where he was out of the country, but certainly more than anybody else uh, involved in Martin Guitars, he was always there. Back when he would have the softball game, he'd come out and watch the softball game. He, you know, he was always a major supporter of the unofficial Martin Guitar Forum and Martin Fest. And that same uh, same night, one of our guest artists, uh, Robert Bolin from Southern Indiana, and his partner Will Maring did basically like a workshop for people who wanted to come in and and sit down and learn a bit more about him. Uh, a lot of people who are not uh, aren't familiar with Robert, but he uh, is a grand champion at Winfield, the guitar contest. He is, I think, the only person in history to have placed in either first or second in both fingerstyle and flat picking. And a very humble guy, but really outrageously uh, talented guitar player and a good singer. And Will has one of those uh, sort of country girl voices that uh, just makes you fall in love with it the moment you hear it. And, plays her upright bass and also plays guitar. So that was great. You know, they, it was nice of them to do that in addition to their public performances. So, um, and they borrowed guitars. They couldn't fly this year. I mean, they couldn't drive this year. So they had to borrow guitars and they even had to borrow Martin, had to find upright bass for them. And uh, which started to fall apart because of the intense humidity and air conditioning. And I Robert saw that. Bolin, yeah, and Robert Bolin is a, extremely talented uh, repairman, vintage guitar repairman. So he just, one of our uh, friends, Jim Banky from California, happened to have his tools with him. And Robert actually, you know, made repairs on the on the bass right then and there in his hotel room before they could play. But they, you know, they borrowed, uh, they borrowed some vintage Martins um, and some not so vintage Martins and, uh, and certainly made the most of them. A little behind-the-scenes information that you might not know, Spoon. I bumped into Will at the Guitar Guard Station. And those of you guys listening, if you haven't been to Martin Fest, there's a big Martin on Main open mic session. It's on the grand stage at the center of town. 
and we all go to this thing, but we watch everyone else playing and take our turns and sitting in the audience in the heat. The Moravian Church on site allows us to store our guitars in there during the day. And, you know, two or three UMGF members volunteer to be guitar guards for a half hour. So I went in there to collect my guitar when it was time to play. And I was talking to Will and she complimented me on my Blue Ridge gig bag, which Spoon was asking about last week. And I turned around and I complimented her on the unicorn book bag she had. And she has a little <laughs> little backpack with a bunch of unicorns on it. And the story's longer than I'm going to remember to say correctly, but it was a gift to her and it means a lot to her. And I said, what we should do, instead of playing guitar later, you should show me how to put unicorns on my Blue Ridge gig bag. And I meant that as a complete joke. And she looked me dead serious in the eye and she said, you know, and I wish I had a Southern accent for this. She said, you know, Maury, if you get a potato and some kind of ink, you can make a stamp of a unicorn and I could show you how to do it. And for just a split second, I thought, why are you going to teach me how to use a potato <laughs> to make a stamp to make unicorn patterns on my gig bag? I was kidding around. <laughs> That's so funny. She's actually a very, uh, very talented artist. She uh, paints. <laughs> You know, she paints and, and draws and does all kinds of stuff. So that's pretty hilarious. But yeah, total sweetheart. And uh, they're both just they're both just great. And yes, Martin on Main is a huge street fair that goes uh, halfway down South Main Street in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, with food wagons and uh, the brewery there, uh, the the microbrewery there. Uh, they you were allowed to take uh, cans or plastic you know, glasses out into the street that day and all that sort of thing. So it was a very good time. I had spectacular brisket. Uh, there was somebody actually had a smoker out there and selling, selling, you know, pulled pork and sausages and all that stuff. So that was uh, fabulous. Martin Guitar had a booth up where our friend Jason Honor and uh, friend Michael Dickinson and our friend Leslie Mamali uh, basically were there uh, letting people check out most of the uh, new Martin Guitars. And uh, I didn't even have time to play over there because I was, you know, so busy with the performances. But I did, you know, get over there to say hi to them. And they uh, loaned us a, um, like a gazebo tent frame because no one thought about the sound man being out there and directly under that intense sun. So, <laughs> so I went over and got that from them and we found a tarp for it and, and got him uh, in some shade. So, um, but yeah, great time. You know, you talked about being a family. People who've never been there before uh, are sometimes uh, worried about it being such an insider thing for veterans like us who've been to, you know, 20 of them. And they're always very pleasantly surprised about how wel welcoming everybody is and how uh, the new people, if it's your first year, you get with a green dot on your name tag. And really that just uh, uh, opens you up for a lot of very, uh, friendly conversation as people make a point of making people feel as welcome as possible. So, so it's really good. Um, I would say guitars first day I got there early. This is the first time I got there super early and I met up with my friend Kirby Statler from Phoenix, Arizona, who brought in his vintage B1 baritone uke. And the only other person that uh, came in that night that we saw was Jim Adams from Vista, California, who used to be, uh, was in Baltimore for most of his life. He brought his grand J35, and that thing was a monster of a guitar. And the, that little all mahogany uke and that big jumbo, uh, they played uh, some great uh, duets that first night. 
and uh, that was so that was certainly one of the guitars that really stuck out in my mind and um, these days you can't get Grand J's except for the Grand J 16 I don't know if you have one of those in stock but those have uh, it's a 12 string that has uh, a shallower body than a normal Grand J so it's uh, very comfortable to play and they had one on display in the at the Martin factory in the visitor center so a lot of people um, were certainly enjoying that do you have one of those in stock, one of those 12 strings? I don't have one in stock at the moment. It's on order, but we have one coming. And it's funny, we're going down this mental list of which guitars impressed you. You already took my first idea. So I, I just checked that off my list because you spent it. But I'll tie that together by saying <laughs> the very first night I got there, I didn't get there until Thursday evening. And I got to spend a lot of quality time with Jim Adams and Marshall Fleischer. And they were introducing each other to their guitars. He has the guitar that's the fraternal twin Marshall's got the 12-string version of Jim's uh, Grand J. So I got to hear both of them in literal stereo in real life. Those guys were playing at the same time. Uh, and I'm sorry. Sorry, I missed that. Oops. Oh, yeah. And so I'll go on to say that Marshall's 12-string was certainly one of my favorites. And it's not a competition. And the way we, we play in all of these song circles and you go from room to room, it's never about being the loudest person. But Marshall was the loudest person more than a few times with that 12-string, just because it just has to happen that way. He wasn't pushing, but he would just casually play his turn, and it just, you know, the room went crazy. And, and I think it was Thursday night. You're talking about Green Dot Newbies, one of our new friends, Bill Peebles. We got into a song circle. It was four of us. And after his second song, he said, oh, my God, I have never heard four Martin guitars in the same room. And we all erupted with laughter. I said, yo, dude, it's it's Thursday night. Wait till tomorrow and Saturday. <laughs> if four guitars in the same room is going to blow your mind, you just better buckle your seatbelt because that's uh, it, there's more to come and it's, it's going to be a lot more than four guitars. But that's how fun this is. You know, I it's, it's hard for us. I won't speak for you, but it's hard for me to go into year 20 and and be so naive to what it's going to be like. But imagine going back and being somebody who was new this year, doesn't know anything about this. They see pictures, they hear stories, but to walk into a room and get that thrill of playing music with other people because you finally get to hear more Martin guitars than the one that you own and then this wave of dozens and dozens more. It's just so, you know, if anybody wanted to go this year and didn't make it, you really, really missed out because where else could you go and just casually get to hear so many different Martin guitars Unless you go to a guitar store that has 200 models and the opportunities don't present themselves that way. This is such a fun jam because everyone you meet is almost guaranteed to be another Martin guitar model you haven't heard yet. Yeah, that's true. And it's interesting you bring that up about Bill. He is not a guitar geek. He played the same uh, Asian you know, uh, guitar forever until at a very late in life, he finally acquired a Triple O 28 which he absolutely loves. And it's the first time I got to see it in person. And it was just, it was such a spokes model for today's standard series. The top with the amazing cross silking, you know, and, and quartesan grain, which was just glorious. And, you know, beautiful back and sides and um, style 28 back strip. And it's, you know, for a short scale triplo, it was room filling and uh, really, you know, he, he really got a great one. And it, like I said, it really, it really spoke uh, volumes to me about the quality of the standard series today. And um, 
So he enjoyed playing other people's guitars and stuff, but I think he went away from Martinfest feeling even better about his own guitar, that it didn't cost $60,000, it didn't come from 1935, it didn't, you know, this or that, and but it's still, you know, an exceptional guitar that he, uh, that he can play and sometimes just marvel at the overtones and stuff and just how different it is from his, uh, from his old uh, Japanese, um, you know, um, laminated back and sides uh, guitar. So what was another uh, Martin Fest guitar that you uh, found memorable? Really one of the early ones, I think it was Thursday night again, uh, Jim Burke has a really nice OM28 Authentic. I think he said it was from 2015 or 16. And it was kind of a tease because Martin Fest is full of moments when you're playing guitar and somebody walks past your room, not your your room, but the, the conference room that you're in. And they kind of make this wave and they point to their guitar and they point to the wave and they're like, you know, they're giving that signal like, do you want to play this? And I'd say, <laughs> yes, I do, but I'm, I'm playing this one right now and don't go anywhere. And he would go somewhere. And, and maybe two hours later, we finally got together. He said, hey, do you want to play this? I said, yeah, I do. And it was a really, really nice OM28 Authentic. And it makes me really sad that Stan from Florida wasn't able to be here because he has a really nice one too. And what fun that would have been to play both of those back to back. And I don't mean any disrespect to Stan, but Jim Burke's kind of made me forget that I didn't see Stan's this year. Uh, it really is a very responsive guitar. We sold a lot of those when they first came on the scene, and I frankly haven't played one in about a year and a half, maybe longer. And I play so many modern deluxe guitars here, and I, I played a lot of OMs anyway at, at, at Martinfest. Playing his OM28 Authentic, not just that it, it's a, it certainly is a looker. It really, really sounded very, very vibrant and if anybody has half a memory after that whole weekend, good for them. But I think he had retro strings on it, and it really caught my attention. Did yeah, it? he had the he had the Monells, and um, I think he had a the, he had the Juber set. I think the Lawrence Juber strings. But um, yeah, and it was it's brand new to him. He you know it was a new old stock that he found in some out of the way place, and uh, oh. where Stan the man he got his. He was the first person I knew that actually got one. So his has several years under it now. And you're right, it would have been awesome for him to, to, to have seen that again. So hopefully in the future. Uh, that was kind of fun. Uh, he could not come. So um, Doug Truxio, our, uh, one of the main moderators of the forum, was basically carrying Stan around on his phone. <laughs> uh, doing live, you know, FaceTiming or whatever it was. And so he could see different rooms and at that park and all that stuff. So yeah, I yeah. got to play Jim, Jim's guitar early on. It was the first guitar that was kind of out in the in the public room and when people were just first uh, gathering. Um, so it was very cool to be able to play that and then play uh, over the weekend. I got to play, you know, an, an actual all original 1930 OM28. I got to play a long scale 1934 triple O28 which was basically the exact same thing as a 1933 OM28 because they changed the stamp and the model name before they changed the guitar to short scale. So that was very cool. And like playing with those old guitars and playing a 1940 uh, OOO28 and then playing Bill's modern OOO28, of course you can hear differences. Of course there's difference in the light weightness and light of, you know, lightness of weight and all that stuff, but Again, I think Bill Peebles left having seen Vintage Martins for the first time ever, uh, feeling even better about his guitar. And, uh, and it's really nice to see people 
um, bring their bring their guitars to Martin Fest and and want you to play them and and they never get to hear somebody else play them and 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 so for the people the real guitar geeks among us we really like to try out lick all the different guitars and see the woods and all that while other people it's much more about the friendship and the music and and playing songs together and and uh, and showing people the song that you learned this year that you didn't know the last time and all that so yeah very very good time and uh, the days on Friday and Sunday, we actually go out to Borough Park in Nazareth, which is where the public swimming pool is and the ball diamond and all that. But we have a very large pavilion, they call it, and uh, just full of guitar cases. It's an open mic going on while people are off in other corners, just, you know, catching up or checking out each other's guitars. I met a brand new uh, guy who's um, been on the forum for a while, but, but he... Uh, He's from New Jersey, and he had just picked up a coffin case from a uh, another UMGF member who was getting rid of some of his collection. And inside it was a two and a half seventeen Brazilian rosewood two and a half seventeen. Um, <clears throat> people were estimating it as old as the eighteen forties up through could not be older than eighteen sixty seven. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, when I looked at it. It had the New York stamp, but the New York stamp continued up after 1900 on some guitars. And but it had the upside down New York stamp on the neck block, which definitely I th I'm pretty sure that stopped in 1867. So, it, in other words, this thing was definitely made when C.F. Martin Sr. was still working on guitars. And wow. uh, you know, by that time, they probably would have you know he had a son, C.F. Jr and maybe you know some other employees here and there but not very many so he was still doing most of the work and so that's really really cool so congratulations to him for that saw some other uh, you know pre-1930 martins there as well and uh, in amazingly great shape and um so to have the opportunity to play those kind of guitars as well as the modern deluxe guitars that were there and for people who love martin guitars uh, i don't think uh, Mario or I could recommend enough uh, making your way to Martin Fest one of these years. And I don't want to interrupt this too early, but I can't help but ask you. Lori was making a comment the other day because she finally got down there this year and only spent a few hours on Sunday night. But she wants to know, are you still eating Amy's leftover eggplant parm? <laughs> no, but I had to leave more than half of it in my refrigerator when I left. I don't know anyone else at Martin Fest who ate the same sandwich or the same meal all weekend long and still had some left over. Now that's you're you're exaggerating, but yes, <laughs> I I uh, I tend to I don't tend to go out to the big restaurants and stuff like a lot of people do. I want to be at the hotel and want to see what's going on at the hotel. And and um, I was thinking I was going to have to get something to eat, possibly in the restaurant there, and they have spectacular hamburgers in the restaurant. And she said, well. Well, do you want my eggplant parm? I barely touched it, and she wasn't kidding. It was it was as big as a dinner plate on top of spaghetti, <laughs> and so I did. And I had a I put it in a bowl and I microwaved it, and I had that. 
And then I had it the next night as well. And had, like I said, still hadn't gotten <laughs> between her and I, we didn't get through half of it. I have no idea where it came from, but. But I think every time I saw you in the hallway, are you getting any food to eat? You're like, nope, I still have that eggplant parm. <laughs> you know, God. Well, but I, I have to find out where it's from. I wonder if it's one of those places that if you eat it all in one sitting, you don't have to pay for it. You know, like those steakhouses. It was, <laughs> it, it was that big. But anyway, yes, people, that's part of it too. People going out to dinner together or, or just going over to, you know, Wegman's grocery and bringing stuff back. But it's, you know, it's part of the, uh, it's part of the whole bonding process. And people brought lots of stuff. Our friend Rich Jardis uh, from New Jersey brings these little chocolate guitars that he gets from a local candy maker and milk chocolate and dark chocolate. And I think most people have no idea who brings those every year. So I didn't. Uh, for, that's the mystery's been solved, and it's been Rich Jardis all this time. He was there with his Triple O Twenty Eight H, that might have been a Morris music purchase. I don't remember because that's going way back to when uh, the Triple O Twenty Eight had black and white line instead of herringbone and white dots on the fretboard, and non-scallop braces. And Martin brought out the Triple O Twenty Eight H for a little while that gave you the herringbone that still had dots on the fretboard and scallop bracing. So he's got that. And he also eventually bought a uh, birth year, 1967 triple 28 that he now won't take out of the house because they've gotten so valuable now. But um, so it's always great to see him. And uh, he's one of the people that has been to every Martin Fest, but he's the man behind the chocolate guitars. Jim Murphy is a, a really nice guy from Long Island. He brought this amazing brie, these two wheels of amazing brie that people enjoyed tremendously. And he had uh, one of his, he had his pre-war D18 in tow. And also he had, what was his other guitar that he had? He definitely had an OM, but I don't remember what it was. But um, Yeah, he played a really great version of uh, uh, Both Sides Now on something like that, but I forgot to ask him what the model was. Yeah, yes, he's yeah, a very talented fingerstyle uh, player and Irish tenor. And that Brie, actually, he discovered at the uh, annual Memorial Day party of another friend of ours, Len Rosenberg, who also lives in Long Island. And he, uh, he was the one that turned us all on to that Brie. And he was there with his spectacular, speaking of great fingerstyle players, huh. a spectacular converted F-size Martin. That was one of those pre-war arch tops, the largest one. And it was converted into a flat top, um, which then makes it an M. That's where the M came from. When David Bromberg and, and other people, or Guthrie people like that, were finding these old Fs and bringing them to luthiers like uh, John Lundberg in uh, Berkeley, California, and Matt Umanoff in New York City, and having them converted into uh, what is now known as the quadruple O size flat top. And so he's got one of those. Uh, he didn't have it converted, he, he bought it that way. But um, he did have one of those legendary uh, repair guys, Flip Scipio. Um, he, uh, he did extra fancy pearl inlay on it. So really great guitar, you know, and, and he's totally worthy, worthy of it because he's a, a great Chad Atkins style, um, Merle Travis style finger picker. 
Speaking of really talented repair guys, John Hall from Blues Creek Guitars, you mentioned him a few moments ago. He had a guitar there that this program is called Martins and More, and this specific little piece of the podcast is more because the guitar I played that he brought blew my mind, and it was a Wayne Henderson. I don't know enough about that to say what exact guitar he brought. It looked like it was smaller than a Dreadnought, but he kept saying to people in the song circle, you know, do you want to play my Hendy? Yeah, I... I actually have a story about that, but yeah, it's an OM, basically an OM-18 that's made with Cuban mahogany. And um, they, uh, when I met Wayne Henderson, when he had come up for Alan St. John's book release party with the book about Wayne Henderson building uh, what's called Clapton's guitar, I was talking to Wayne about, you know, how much he would charge and, you know, and I was telling him how I was always a big mahogany, big fan of OM-18s. And he said that was actually his favorite too, but nobody ever asked for him. Everybody wants those big bluegrass dreadnoughts. So I asked him how much he would, you know, charge to make a, uh, a mahogany OM. And, you know, and he said, you know, a fella gave me a bunch of this uh, old Cuban mahogany, and I don't know if he's going to want it back after I finish his guitar. But then he gave me a quote, which was a ridiculously low price, uh, as he does charge, but he's famous for taking years upon years upon years to make guitars for somebody. Well, so I didn't take it seriously. And sure enough, the very next guitar he made was that OM, uh, Mahogany OM, that really? John en ended up owning. Yeah, yeah it's a true story. And uh, could have been mine, but yes. Oh, man. Uh, best way to describe that from where I was sitting, and I got to hear it out in front of me several times when I finally got to play it. It has the loudest mid-range without being mid like honky and most of the time when something gets a bump in the mid-range the way that does it sounds nasal or funny and, and the bass doesn't do anything that had such a strong powerful you know low like the a string and the d and then not not necessarily low e but the a and the d on that guitar sounded so prominent to me i got my one turn with it and i was polite and i gave it back to john and I think when John watches me play guitar, he remembers why he he doesn't have to have me play too many songs on it. But it was so <laughs> easy to play and so powerful sounding. And I got caught on YouTube. I, of course, I took a lot of video footage and, and somebody said, wow, that's a great Bob Marley song. And that's not a Martin. And, you know, a Martin <laughs> Fest to show guitars that aren't Martins. But that guitar was certainly worthy. Yeah, there, was some, there were definitely some non-Martins non there from small builders. But yeah, that is the OM signature thing. The the dominant string on an om is not the low e it's the a string and the same thing with martin oms though it's not as pronounced perhaps but you can hear it when you're you know that's why people like m's and like the grand performances because you do get a bigger bass string out of an m or out of a grand performance than you get a than you get out of an om but um yeah that was great guitar um yeah that's you know for people who like great guitars as as Mario has just said, you'll probably never have the opportunity to be around that many amazing Martins and with some other guitars thrown in there with people that will let you play them and trade back and forth and be in the same song circle with them or just hang out, you know, two people at a time. And um, it's uh, so it's always as educational as it is fun and um so yes, you know, uh, we had our, our friends, uh, Mitchell and Brittany, who perform as Raven and Red. They were originally one of our guest artists and have liked Martin Fest so much, they now come back just as you know, participants. And they're speaking of non-Martins, he, he had picked up a Guild baritone uh, guitar because he's been desperate to find one of those Martin Pete Seeger baritone guitars and they're just not on the market and he just can't find one. But um, 
that was an excellent guitar. Uh, and when he wasn't playing that, he was playing the D35 um, Mori Muleisen limited signature model that he borrowed from our friend Tony Phillips. And um, so they were, you know, they were a great addition. Uh, she plays an amazing five string fiddle that's got rosewood back and sides. I've never seen a violin with rosewood back and sides. <laughs> and this is the five string rosewood uh, violin. So they, you know, she added an awful lot with her voice and the voice of her fiddle. That was all great. And then of course, our serious, uh, you know, world-class uh, special guest was Lawrence Juber. He uh, was a special guest at the fifth year, along with the Kingston Trio and a couple of big time national songwriters. He was the special guest at the 10th year. And um, he was the special guest at the 15th year. And so he came back for the 20th year uh, playing a custom shop Martin that they had made for him based on his signature models. Though this one um, has the modern deluxe neck on it, which is pretty cool um, oh. because because he's you know he's he's not getting any younger and he wanted uh, something with a lower neck. So and he really loves it. So so also a Cuban mahogany and uh, Swiss moon spruce as they call it because it's cut um, during the new moon in a special way and which supposedly really matters because that's when the sap content of the wood is at its lowest and and supposedly, uh, as he called it, it's kind of a natural VTS that he feels really, uh, really adds some uh, character and vibrancy to the wood when it's brand new. So that it makes it sound, you know, like it's already broken in similar to the VTS system. So he certainly made the most of that on Saturday with his hour long performance. And then on Sunday when he did a, a presentation, not really a workshop so much as uh, uh, some lots of very cool insider musicology thing about the history of certain chord progressions that go all the way back to the 17th century or the Renaissance and, and then uh, showed us his, some of his alternate tunings and why he uses those at times instead of standard tunings. And people were asking questions, so we got to hear some origin stories of how Paul McCartney uh, hired him to be in Wings. So that was all very cool. And um, Prince of a Guy, so it was great to see him again after uh, I haven't had a chance to see him since, of course, the pandemic. So, And I didn't get to hear everything he was doing on stage. Can you tell part of that Ringo Starr story? Well, he was, somebody had asked him, is there, in the guitars that you have, is there... I, uh, a particular guitar that has any emotional significance or, and he thought for a while and he said, yeah, he's got a small uh, classical guitar that is uh, basically a 12 foot double O size about that. And that he's had it since he was quite young. He's somebody who fell in love with the guitar at a very young age and went to music school and was already playing professionally as a teenager in the uh, London uh, recording session world. And he, uh, so he got, got into Wings and he said I, he had a picture of Paul McCartney playing that guitar, which is pretty cool. And uh, later on, he was at a, in Switzerland in a recording studio and Ringo uh, with Ringo Starr. And he was, Ringo was playing that guitar very vigorously with his index finger and somehow managed to cut his finger. And uh, little flecks of Ringo Starr's blood got inside the guitar. So that <laughs> guitar of Lawrence's now has Ringo Starr's DNA in it. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. 
and you were talking about the early origins of uh, Lawrence's career, they make that old joke. How do you make a guitar player quiet? Put sheet music in front of him. That doesn't work on Lawrence Juber. No, no, no. He's an absolute, uh, <laughs> absolute uh, expert sight reader. And, and uh, yeah, people, you know, who've never heard of him, I've heard him a lot. Um, he is the electric guitar and the Bond soundtrack of The Spy Who Loved Me. You know, the bum 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 That's Lawrence. Um, the Do that again? Happy. And the little riff, the little guitar riffs and stuff from Home Improvement, the Tim Allen show, that little guitar tag, that's Lawrence. You know, lots of... Lots. I mean, it goes on and on and on. The movies and, and TV shows that he's played on as a as a studio uh, musician in L.A. for decades now. Yes, that was great. It was a great performance. He's always great, but uh, his uh, his original compositions are always extremely interesting. Uh, he is known even you know even more for his amazing transcriptions, and he's now got four different CDs of Beatles songs. And he did a CD of Wing songs. He did a CD of Harold Arlen tunes, who uh, wrote tons of the, uh, wrote uh, Stormy Weather, for example, uh, the music to Stormy Weather and, and um, those kind of, you know, songs from that era. And he's, uh, he really is, Dick Boak said he's met and seen countless guitarists and he still feels that Lawrence Juber is, is the best guitarist he's ever encountered. So um, I'm always, uh, and I didn't even know that much about him when I first bought his signature model. I bought it because it was a cutaway OM with Brazilian Rosewood and sounded great. And, and that's when I, you know, decided to look him up and then met him at NAM. And then uh, thanks to Mari's Music, who I went out with uh, some years ago to NAM, And um, this is going way back now. And, you know, and <laughs> met his wife and, and, you know, since, uh, gotten to know Hope and, and Lawrence pretty well. And he is a, uh, he's, he is somewhat um, reserved as many Englishmen are and he's, but it's not really uh, any indication. He's very warm, very generous, uh, very nice uh, guy. So hopefully um, he's, now that he's a grandfather, he's not gonna be traveling and touring as much but hopefully he'll he'll get back out east again for some shows and be great to go see him again. But um, really cool. We talked about Lawrence Juber playing at Martin on Main, and that was a really, really loud sound. I'm looking at my notes, and the only thing I could remember that was louder than that was Becca's D42. Did you get to hear that thing? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. I got to hear it multiple times, sometimes from directly across her in a song circle and, and of course, out at Martin's on Main. And what a voice. She's got that that uh, wonderful, you know, Melissa Ethelridge style uh, pipes that just, uh, just is uh, really good. I, I know she's got a gig coming up this weekend somewhere in Pennsylvania, so I hope she has a great time. And a lot of people go see her. But um, yeah, and I remember, you know, taking some pictures of some people and seeing you and her at, at way in the background playing together. I didn't realize you were recording that. So that was very cool to see on your, the videos that you posted online. I know somebody said they were having a hard time finding them on YouTube. So I pointed them to the thread in the unofficial Martin Guitar Forums inside the Nazareth 2022 section where you have laid out a link to all of those videos. But I don't know, did you make a, a, a um, what do you call them on YouTube, a set list or a song list? 
Thank you, Spoon. I, I didn't go that far to make a playlist in YouTube, but if you go to marismusic.com slash martinfest, every single video is laid there in a timeline. So you can go and check them all out in one good place. And in that same blog post, I put a link back to your Martinfest journal. I'm not sure. What's the title of that for sure? It's Spoon's Martinfest Journal of Adventure. Well, uh, you go find these videos, you'll find a link back to that. You watch a video, you go back to look at Spoon's post, watch another video, and the whole afternoon's gone, but it's so much fun. <laughs> yes, I, I, I do that every year, and uh, years ago, I was going to stop doing it, and I got a private email from a fella down south uh, in Florida, I think, telling me how much it meant to people who couldn't go to Martinfest and and how much it meant to him and how much it meant to people like him who who rely on me and who got to know the personalities that go to martin fest you know from the umgf based on my stories and that revitalized me and i decided to keep doing it so the next year i, I started the post again and first post i did from the first night and i ended it with how am i doing billy and and he uh, he responded and so and then he finally got to come to martin fest and in those days i th that particular hotel there was a a pc in the lounge where everybody hung out and did the huge massive sing-alongs and where the food was and all that and so i would work there so i wouldn't miss stuff and could you know take part in stuff while i was typing up the previous day's you know events and and he kept coming over. He didn't want me to stop. You know, he was like, he wanted to make sure that I stuck to it. And he would bring me, he didn't come over and do you need anything? And he would like serve me drinks. And, you know, he didn't, he, cause he, he just had to, you know, how important it was for the people out, out, you know, and all the ships at sea to have uh, been, been waiting for my uh, reports. And, and he couldn't come this year, unfortunately. So I did the same thing. You know, I ended my first post with, how am I doing, Billy? <laughs> and he, he responded. So I hope they, he and his wife can come the next one. And I must admit, I, I'm not as happy with it this year because after three years, um, to me, I didn't want to miss the events. I didn't want to miss the people. So I was very behind schedule. And in fact, I haven't even posted the last sort of epilogue of it. So I'm going to do that later today now, almost a week later. But I, you know, I'm glad people enjoyed it. I'm glad people who uh, couldn't make it this year were, you know, able to share some of Martin Fest by reading that. Well, I, I must tell you the truth. I really like it too. And if anybody thinks it's only for those people who weren't at Martin Fest, that's not true at all. I end up reading it and finding out a lot of things I didn't get to see. This is such a fun festival, but you can only be in one room at one time in one song circle. And then you find out from Spoon's journal three days later, you missed this, this, and this. And I just saw, I missed the opportunity to play with Robert Bowen and Paul Yukina. And of course, if I would have been able to do that, I would have missed what I was doing. So there's no way to win. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I hadn't seen Paul. I was Paul's sideman for about four years here in New York City. And for people who are unfamiliar, he's a retired Broadway actor, spent like half, you know, quarter of a century on Broadway and, and in touring shows and all that. And it's a marvelous baritone. In fact, his father was the principal baritone at City Opera. And he's a really good guitar player. And he uh, was there with his new jazz guitar, Lou Archtop. So it wasn't a Martin, but he was very proud of it. And I was really happy to see him and very happy to, you know, see him uh, sit down him and uh, Len Rosenberg they were playing together um, oh. but but yeah I didn't get to see Robert there was a whole jazz jam as they're now calling it I didn't see it I was in some other room I must admit I missed it and I don't know I don't think anybody got any video of it either which is a, which is too bad 
But um, back when I was with the Paul Yukon Trio with Frank Krupet, uh, the one year that uh, we were all there when Will and last time Will and Robert were there, and we got to do that with her playing on the bass, and you know that was really great fun playing. You know, but when I when I was with Paul, you know, we would play with the three Martin guitars. It was, uh, but it was all like Fats Waller and Duke Ellington and the Gershwin Brothers and stuff like that 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 I have never played before, and you don't normally see people playing. Uh, flat top Martins for so really great time. Um, did you guys play any Warren Zevon by chance? Um, nope, I did not play uh, Warren Zevon with uh, those guys, but certainly <laughs> saw some more good, some really nice Warren Zevon going around the festival this year. And um, oh yeah, that was me. That was me. So, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, blah 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 blah. So much guitar talk. Enough guitars. Let me ask you frankly. Is there a non-guitar memory you'd like to share about Martin Fest 2022? Okay, well, I will choose this one, which I'm rather fond of. But when we came back from Martin's on Main at the hotel and some of us decided not to go out to the restaurants, Kirby Stadler and Diana Keller and I went over to Wegmans, which is one of those colossal grocery stores. And immediately Kirby peels off. I don't know, he knew where he was going. And I'm going around and I literally get lost and I'm wandering around and wandering around and, <laughs> and, uh, and I come around the corner and I see Kirby Statler standing in front of a scale weighing these two big uh, beefsteak tomatoes. And I come up and his, he's got this sort of a unique uh, dark uh, metallic blue shirt. So I come up and I looked at, and I'm looking at the tomatoes and I, and I say, are those fresh enough to eat? And I look up into the face of a complete stranger. <laughs> and it serious. wasn't Kirby, but he had the same kind of beard and same kind of build and same color shirt. <laughs> and he looked at me just so startled and in a very huffily, you know, with the intrusion, he says, well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had to keep from laughing and I just tried to put on a face like I was a serious question because I was thinking about buying tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and he puts them in his, puts the plastic bag in his shopping cart and he zooms off. So I'm going around and I see him going around the same guy. And later on, I noticed he no longer had the tomatoes in his basket. <laughs> <laughs> so I had introduced doubt into his dinner plans. And <laughs> I feel terrible at the same time. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Wait but, till yeah. I tell Wegman's management about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure those tomatoes ended up like in the protein bar section or, you know, he just abandoned them somewhere. <laughs> he probably hurled them somewhere. There was clearly something suspicious about them. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, that was a non-music, non-guitar memory that I will always have of Martin Fest 2022. Well, I'm so tempted to uh, return the favor and keep the people listening laughing, but I, I really can't say most of this joke on the air, so I won't say it. But if you're familiar with the joke about the fish, and it's about the priest and the nun and the bishop, look that up on Google and, and give yourself a smile, because I got to talk to Edmund Donio a couple of times in the hallway, and all we talked about were jokes. And I would say, you know what? You're always telling jokes. They're always hysterical. Let me tell you one. And I would start, start saying a sentence, and he would say, ant. And he would, he would just like really quickly tell me the punchline to both of my jokes. I said, well, I give up. You've heard all the jokes ever. I can't make you laugh. But he gave me a good one. 
And if I could ever find a way to say it in a PG way, um, I'll bring it back to this show. But it's yes. um, it's his his really dry Texas delivery makes it even funnier. That's very that's very true. Ed Medani from Houston, Texas. I'm Ed Medani from Houston, Texas, and he uh, I I've never met somebody who has a greater catalog of jokes. And yes, I, most of them you can't say on the air. But yes, <laughs> um, very funny guy and. Uh, <laughs> And a beautiful voice, beautiful singing voice. So that's a, that's a big memory too. The Saturday night when I was finally giving up as it was nearing three o'clock in the morning, Ed had been busy being a moderator and doing stuff that was really, he had just finally started playing songs for the first time that day. So a small group of people, he was playing some, you know, uh, really beautiful uh, ballads and stuff. And I later found out they were there until 4.30 in the morning, Saturday night. Wow. So. Yeah, the days, I have to say, the days of Spoon Phillips and company being in the lounge at the old hotel and still playing when the breakfast guy comes in to set up the breakfast bar after dawn is, is long gone. We don't tend to do that anymore. Uh, you know, I just have to admit I'm not 31 anymore. And uh, <laughs> actually, I was 40-something at the first one. That'll put things in perspective. But um, but um, you can edit that out, right? And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that in time <laughs> <laughs> missed it by that much who was president when you were first at nasfest <laughs> but yes it was uh that was a very nice moment i did you know i was quite respectful i i um as usual these days i was uh i went into my room at one o'clock in the morning on the first night two o'clock on the second night three o'clock on the third night and then it was three o'clock again on the last night. I did not go beyond that. But um, very last song I heard was Diana Keller singing um, Johnny Mitchell's Canada. Is that the name of the song? No, it's not. That's not the name of it. What's the name of it? I can't believe I can't remember the name of it right now. Not a case of you. Case of you. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. Nice. So yeah, it was singing case of you, Jim Fortmuller uh, from Vermont, formerly of Alexandria, Virginia. He was uh, playing it and left Frank Krupet and I were enjoying it. And uh, that was the last uh, collaboration. Um, I then, as I, you know, at the very, very end, Frank played Whiter Shade of Pale and sang it in honor of Gary Brooker, who was his childhood rock and roll hero who passed away earlier this year. So that was really the final piece of music that I heard at Martinfest this year. Hey, I think I have a good way to tie everything up in a nice bow here at the end of the show. Were you able to play Carl's 1922-028? I had played it before, but I didn't get to play it this year. And yeah, Carl, a classic example of a very level-headed, big-hearted guy, not flashy, doesn't impose himself on anybody, but he is almost always at Martinfest and wonderful guy, happy to put his guitar in your hand and... Uh, and when you do get to hear him and see and you know and see him playing music, uh, you you with a lot of these nice people that don't impose themselves on you all the time. Always impressed with how lovely uh, the music is. It doesn't really matter the people who can only play uh, C, F, and G, or, or the people who are you know have been playing for thirty five years and quite accomplished. Everybody's welcome, and we all. Uh, we all appreciate everybody else's music. And I think that's, uh, that's really what it's all about. 
Absolutely, and well said. And it's got literally nothing to do with even if you can play guitar, just bring one. <laughs> yes, yeah, and there's and there's people who come. Usually, they're friends or spouses of people who don't play that come, uh, you know, year after year because because of the because of the camaraderie and the hilarity and the bonding that happens between people. So. Well, if you're listening to this program and you were at Martin Fest this year, thank you very much for spending time with us. I feel very blessed and very lucky to have made it again. I know Spoon feels the same way. If you have not been to Martin Fest and you think you might want to come next year, make sure you get to umgf.org. Join the forum if you haven't already. Follow all the threads. And before you know it, it's going to be the winter time and people are going to be talking about book your hotel. And if there's going to be a way to get on the early list for next year, you really owe it to yourself. Even if you don't live anywhere near the eastern part of Pennsylvania, it's certainly worth the time. Yes. And I think we have to, speaking of people who don't live in Pennsylvania, a big shout out to the organizers and the moderators and owners of the unofficial Martin Guitar Forum. <laughs> Tremendous amount of effort goes into this and and expense. Uh, people there, there's you know there's jars out for people to don donate money. They had an auction with two beautiful pieces of artwork, a beautiful painting by Debbie Bear um, that was actually inspired by a photograph of Marshall Fleischer playing guitar on a porch with this amazing uh, like vista across this azure blue rippling waves and and hills in the background and all that stuff really gorgeous and then a, a sketch that dick bulk did of a guitar top with the wound strings uh, rising up and undulating like you know like snakes or or something like that very it's hard to hard to describe but those were both auctioned off to raise some money but uh, we got another shout out to doug truccio in uh, louisiana he uh of all of the people, he was the one that really took it on his shoulders this year. And and uh, in terms of the planning and making sure it all went smoothly. So congratulations to everybody involved. And thanks again for all the hard work that you guys do. Yes, sir. This is a lot of fun because of what you guys do in December, in January, and all the emails back and forth. I know we get there on Thursday and Friday and we pick at all the little things we would change. And you guys must just be shut up and have a good time because we work so hard to get here. <laughs> and at least Mari and Spoon recognize it. And one more tiny tidbit to tie it back around. Uh, Jim Benke, a moderator that was in the uh, hospitality room, had his 0017 from, I think it was, was it 51? I think that's correct. Early 50s. Yeah. One of my favorite maybe non-musical memories was him playing some guitar. Then he was playing some songs that had like one verse in Spanish, which gave him the idea to play a song in Spanish completely. And then he started doing that as a theme. And Len Rosenberg just said, excuse me, do I have to press two to hear this in English? <laughs> really great to see you, Jim. All the moderators, all the planning people, everybody who cared about putting this together long before it happened. A sincere thank you from Maury and Spoon. And I don't know, Spoon, if I'm just, it's my ears ringing from all the music last weekend, but I do hear the music, and I think you know what it means. Yes, sad to say, it's time to go and dream of future Martin Fests. Well, let's go have brunch somewhere, and I'll ask our listeners to please come back next week. From all of us at Maury's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later. This has been a presentation of Maury's Music your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. 
Find us online at moreysmusic.com. <laughs>